0: holy gospel comes to us today from the book of john glory, glory to, you, to you O lord john chapter one now john the baptist saw jesus coming toward him and declared here is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world this is he of whom i said after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me i myself did not know him They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here we are, the second week in Epiphany, the second week after that aha moment in which we are, well, we supposedly understand exactly who Jesus is. Amen? Yeah, good luck with that, amen? Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's always fascinating to me how we continuously cycle back into that moment, this very identifying moment of who Jesus is, because again, we're back to John the Baptist down at the river. John the Baptist shows up again today. John the Baptist was with us last week in the Baptism of Our Lord's Sunday. John the Baptist was with us in Advent. John the Baptist will be with you twice in Lent. If you haven't figured it out, maybe this moment, this interaction between John the Baptist and Jesus is important to our faith. Amen? Amen. Hint number one, anytime anything repeats itself in the Bible, it's important Hint number two, anything, any, anytime anything repeats itself in your church here, in scripture, in preaching, it's probably important. But we have John's gospel this time. And John is a little bit different. In this story in which John the Baptist, John the author of the gospel, is not the same person as John the Baptist. But as John is giving us this story of this interaction with John the Baptist and Jesus and, and John's own disciples... We have this moment in which John not only declares who Jesus is, we don't have this debate between the worthiness of of who's going to baptize who, but what we do have is John giving testimony, witnessing that this is indeed the Son of God. The one in, in whom the Spirit descends like a dove and rests on him and stays upon him is the one that you are to declare the Son of God. The message and the vision that it was given to John has now just taken place. John has witnessed it. And John, doing what John is called to do, to proclaim, to be the prophet that points everyone to the Messiah, he points and says, here is the Lamb of God. He is the chosen one. He is the Son of God. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This morning as we gather for communion after the words of institution are stated and we prepare ourselves in the line to come down to receive the bread and the wine, Linda will enter into the same song we always start communion with. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world something that for many of us goes all the way back deep into our childhood. It's something that the church leaders once upon a time had things correct in their scripture, in their liturgy, in our hymnals. We pull those words directly out of our texts today. Behold, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Now for us as modern day Christians, we find that language fascinating. Because I think all of the people that we look up to, all the people that we identify as leaders, as game changers, as those who are movers and shakers in culture, society, in business, in our workplaces, in our culture, we very I, I've never heard anyone referred to as a lamb. Amen? But John is pointing directly at Jesus as he's walking on the path and his disciples, his followers, are standing right there as he says, Look, behold, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Two of those young disciples take notice. Now, they don't know everything, they come from fishing back at rounds. They certainly didn't come from the shepherd's fields of lamb and sheep very often, but like all good young Jewish boys who are sent off to school as children, who are sent off to memorize Scripture word for word because it was a non-negotiable reality of the culture, of their belief, of their faith. They memorize the Torah. They memorize those old stories. And I imagine maybe just maybe in this moment as John's long bony finger is pointing right at this Lamb of God, the forgiver of all sins, maybe they remember this story of Abraham, their faithful father. The father that gave lineage to all of them that are living in the moment in which they are standing down at that river. Abraham, if you remember, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapters 18, 19, 20, right in that area is this moment in which Abraham and Sarah have been waiting 90 years for God's covenantal promise of a child to enter their life. Ninety years. And that child is given, and his name is Isaac. And as Isaac is growing in stature, God then changes this action, changes this moment. He's going to retain his promise of giving Abraham and Sarah an heir to all of who will come next, a descendant of God's chosen people. But in this moment, God challenges Isaac, and he says, I'm going to ch- I-, I want you to take that son... And you're going to sacrifice him for me. Fascinating. Fascinating that in this covenantal promise, God the creator who promises an heir is now, and has given that heir, is now in essence asking for that heir to be given back. Amen? one of the most heartbreaking misunderstood stories of all of scripture but what's even more misunderstood is that Abraham listens so he takes his son they're heading up the hillside and he places the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's own shoulders and he takes him up that hillside and along the way uh, Isaac looks over and notices that dad has a knife in his sheath And Isaac himself has the lumber on his back, and he says, Dad, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb that we are to sacrifice? Where is the lamb that we sacrifice on behalf of sin? Because that's what a sacrifice was for. Glory to God, appreciation for God, and cleansing of our sinful nature. The young boy gets it. He understands that there is not a lamb in their presence, but he's confused. And Isaac's, or Abraham says to his son, the Lord will provide. Now it gets really confusing at that point because now we have Isaac being bound up in ropes by his own father. At some point, I think Isaac probably realizes this is going awry, amen? And at some point when he's in the, on the altar and the knife is raised above his chest, at some point, something is seeming really off. But Abraham is a man of faith. He is a man of belief. He is a man of trust in God Almighty. And as he's holding that hand or that blade above his son's own chest, the Lord sends a messenger that says, Stop! You are faithful. You have listened. And you will not kill your son." And right then, caught in the thicket of the brush right next to them, is a lamb that the Lord provides for the sacrifice. Hundreds of years later, we stand back at that river with John the Baptist. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, is standing there, and he's noticing John's finger reaching out, pointing, and he has just heard the words, Look, behold, there is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world but we'll say that Andrew and his colleagues are intrigued. And it's at that point where John the Baptist does what all prophets do, all preachers must do. They point people away from them and on to the Lord and they leave John from that moment on, and they start to follow Jesus down the pathway, but they follow from a distance. They follow with curiosity, confusion. I imagine, you can imagine the emotions that might be had with this encounter, and I love what happens next. The Lord pauses. He's standing there, and he notices these sheepish, pun intended, disciples standing there in awe, and he says, what are you looking for? What do you want? In John's Gospel, the very first words to come out of Jesus' mouth in John's Gospel are the words, What are you looking for? Imagine God in the flesh. You are pointed to him. You're standing there in his presence, and the first words asked are, What are you looking for? So what are you looking for? When you come into this space, what are you looking for? As you leave these doors and you head out this afternoon, what are you going to be looking for? Are you looking for the next politician that's going to solve the world's problems? Are you going to be looking for your boss seeking a raise amongst all the inflation in the world that we're facing? Are you going to to be looking for your children, grown or young, hoping that maybe, just maybe, that they too might be looking for the Lamb of God? Are you going to be looking for answers amongst all the anxiety, the stress, and the chaos that we endure day after day after day? But the Lamb of God, he's standing right there and he says, what are you looking for? I love their response where are you staying (laughs) where are you staying rabbi where are you staying teacher it's fascinating because in the in the rabbinic tradition the rabbi never sought out the student the student sought out the teacher and the student had to prove their worth the student had to be lifted up by their peers and by the community to have some, some worth in their knowledge and their wisdom and their spirituality. But here in this moment, these two young men who had just been pointed to the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world, they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? And God in the flesh says, Come and see. Let's go talk. And they do. They follow him along, and what we do know in the rest of this moment, these verses, is that there, Jesus, and these two young disciples have a conversation. We do not know about what. But there's something that amazingly comes from this transaction, from this moment in time, from this one day on a calendar year thousands of years ago, something happened in which those boys, Andrew himself, goes running back to find his older brother, Peter, and he says, Peter, We have found him. We have found the Messiah, which is the Jewish term for anointed one. The one who has come to save the world. We found him. And Simon, who is always the skeptic, he's the skeptic even to the very end. He's the skeptic that will leave Jesus' side when the time, when the going gets tough. He's the skeptic that still the church will fall upon. Simon comes to Jesus and Jesus says, ah, Simon son of Andrew or si- Simon son of John you are going to be renamed Cephas which means Peter which in the Greek means the rock and Jesus will later declare the rock on which the church will be built upon So they see the Lamb of God, they reach out to the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God says, what are you looking for? Where are you staying? Come and see. And in that interaction, they declare who it is that he is, but they have no idea what he has come to do. And I err err into the argument that I believe that we, too, struggle to believe what it is that he has come to do. What we come into this space each and every week to do is to seek mercy now I know we might push back a little bit we might say well I come for the fellowship pastor Uh, don't give me that we want you to feel welcomed and hospitable we want that of course we have the donuts we have the coffee we have the smiles we have the chairs we gather in comfort we gather in warmth we gather for that but we come to be reminded of our need for mercy we come to be reminded that there is a Lamb of God who came into this world for the forgiveness of sins. And John the Baptist points his long, bony finger right to Jesus, and he says, there is that Lamb of God. At the end of the book, at the end of this big book called the Bible, is the book of Revelation. And in Revelation, there's this beautiful image John of Patmos is brought into the heavenly realm and there's this beautiful image of what in the throne? The Lamb. A Lamb of God who has taken away of all the sins of the world, who has taken away all the consequences of all the things that we do, placed it on his shoulders. Remember Isaac going up the hill with wood on his back? The true Lamb of God also went up a hill with lumber on his back. For each every one of us the lamb of god has come into the world for the sake of all of our sins and in a moment we will gather at this table and we will be reminded of that lamb's words you are forgiven when you do this remember me brothers and sisters in christ behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world thanks be to god amen